This is Taiwan Bound, the English language podcast of Tel Aviv University. Please welcome your host, Ido Aroni, Tel Aviv University's graduate, member of the Board of Governors, lecturer, writer, and veteran diplomat. Welcome to Tao Unbound, the English language podcast of Tel Aviv University. I'm your host, Ido Aharoni, and it is my great pleasure to welcome Maureen Adiri, the director of the International School at Tel Aviv University. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Ido. Very happy to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you because you're playing such an important role in this university. Um, but before we go into your... professional portfolio tell us about yourself a little bit I'm very curious about you know the name Maureen where were you born so I was born in Geneva uh, Switzerland uh, to an Italian mom and a Swiss father from Zurich so Maureen is uh, Irish has nothing to do neither with Switzerland nor with Italy are you with... named after someone in particular no they like the name what can you tell us about your family background you Um, so I grew up um, in Geneva um, in an amazing uh, family, very comfortable, loving setting. Uh, my father is a lawyer. Um, I have two younger brothers. And um, there's still most of the time there, although my parents uh, in the meantime made Aliyah. So they're spending more and more time here with me in Israel, which is really wonderful. No, I've been to Geneva several times, actually, before I became a diplomat. And I remember a very cosmopolitan city uh, with a great deal of influence from the Middle East. I remember all the Arabic language signs in Geneva, mostly banks. Uh, of course, you have the United Nations institutions in Geneva and so on. Did that affect the way you were brought up? Um, so I have to say that we were... In our little bubble we weren't uh, that affected by the international organization setting in Geneva um, the banks we were uh, most of my friends and the surrounding were either in uh, the bank or the watches or uh, these kind of businesses growing up in the in Switzerland um, I did get more involved with that while I was uh, studying for my law degree in Geneva and I interned with a UN watch and Um, and I spent quite a lot of time uh, at the UN during that time. So uh, I would assume, uh, as someone who interned with the United Nations Watch, which is a watchdog organization that is uh, um, examining the, uh, uh, the workings of the United Nations, that you were exposed to the less pleasant aspects of, uh, of Israel's positioning in the world. Can you share with us a little bit about what you learned at UN Watch? Um, absolutely. Um, I entered in a very naive way, studying law, thinking that I could support um, work uh, with the UN. And what I found is really um, an organization that uh, was extremely biased towards Israel, um, very strong feelings of, uh, of uh, hate, at least um, in, uh, in the settings when, when they were being filmed. And what happened that was really interesting is that the minute no one was filming, uh, everyone was extremely pleasant suddenly with uh, the Israeli delegates. And, um, and you could see that there's something uh, much more complex and, uh, and interesting going on in terms of the dynamics there uh, that made me, ex- me extremely curious to understand a little bit more um, about Israel and, uh, and its place uh, in the world. Now, you, you have a very unique perspective about Israel, you know, having... Mm-hmm. Uh, being brought up in in Switzerland what would you say are the main strength 
of, of Israel, if Israel was a human being? Um, I have to say that uh, I'm always fascinated to discover Israel every single day where I wake up here. I find other traits that are really fascinating. Uh, definitely a superpower um, because it's almost magic uh, what's happening here in Israel. When you look at the surrounding and, uh, and the um, complexities around Israel, the fact that we're able to thrive this way is, is absolutely fascinating to me. Um, I would say that it's a, a very interesting personality uh, as a human being um, of a mix of uh, modern, looking forward constantly and thriving for better, but at the same time complaining all the time about what's going on and uh, and um, a lot about the Jewish, uh, you know, Jewish roots when you read in the books, very much what you feel about yeah, Israel. You know, uh, Shimon Peres uh, famously uh, said that... Uh, the biggest invention that the Jews gave to humanity is dissatisfaction, Absolutely. and uh, and I and I totally agree with that. So, and that's very different than Switzerland. Absolutely. Right. In, in what way? What was so different uh, moving from Switzerland to Israel? So many things were different uh, in the level of comfort and um, the routine. That's. Always the same, the worries of the people, what's important to them. Um, I, I would say that moving here, I found a new meaning in life. That's very hard to, to explain um, to people who haven't experienced it, of being able to have an impact, of being able to um, experience life in a much more significant way. That, uh, that I didn't feel uh, in Switzerland. It was very comfortable, um, very pleasant, amazing to be able to travel around so easily. Something that here, you know, with the neighbors we have is more challenging. But uh, in terms of uh, looking for meaning in life, um, it's a very different experience to be here in Israel. Now, obviously, you grew up in a family that was extremely devoted to Israel, to Jewish identity, and I, my understanding also to Tel Aviv University. There's a strong connection. What was the reason for you to actually, what clinched it for you? What was the reason for you to actually move to Israel? So growing up, uh, we spent uh, Pesach, Passover in Israel every year. That was really my connection. Uh, we used to enjoy the beach to say uh, words like avatiach. We felt very proud to say words like this. Um, but we didn't really experience it uh, as Israelis at all. Uh, we were the tourists, as you see them, on the beach, <laughs> in the sun, um, having a good time for 10 days and going back home. Um, and then there was a level of experience of looking at it uh, like um, you would say the Jewish agency wants to sell it to us or how we're the ones supporting Israel so that Israel will thrive, so that Israel will grow and how uh, they need the diaspora for this to happen. Um, and then what happened is that I was working in a law firm in Zurich. Um, I was uh, with uh, a group of other Jewish lawyers um, doing my work. I started getting more and more Israeli clients um, because for some of them it was more difficult. The, the difference in culture between Israelis and, uh, and Swiss uh, was more difficult. And I started working more and more with them. And I said uh, that I should really go and study some Hebrew uh, to be able to work even better with them. I really absolutely love the connection with my um with my Israeli clients. And you already knew the word avatiach, which means watermelon. I knew the word avatiach. <laughs> you had to say watermelon. I came here. I went to Ulpan Akiva in Natanya, 
And I started to learn a few additional words. Uh, growing up in Switzerland, I learned quite a few languages before that, including Latin for seven years. So learning an additional language was uh, was not too difficult, and I really enjoyed every minute. And the truth is that I, I suddenly felt very much at home. I felt intrigued. I felt in love. I felt uh, many new feelings. Um, and from that moment onwards, it was pretty clear to me that um, that this is the place I want to I want to stay. No one knew that yet, but I, I did. But you did. But I did. Well, that's a perfect segue to your current role because what you're describing is a change in the relationship, right? You said when you were a kid, uh, at least in the eyes of your family, Israel was the needy uh, brother or sister, uh, and the diaspora jury was expected to help the needy member of the family. But after spending time in Ulpanakiva, uh, you actually realize that Israel can also represent an opportunity, not just a problem. And that brings us to your current job. Tell us a little bit about your current job. Right. So, so you're absolutely correct that I was suddenly amazed by how independent and thriving this place was. And uh, I decided to do my uh, second master's in, uh, in conflict resolution here in Hebrew. Um, I enjoyed every single minute of it. I, I learned um, things in a very different way than what I had learned uh, doing my first two degrees in Switzerland. And then I thought that it might be an interesting opportunity for uh, us to try to get more people from abroad to come and experience similar things uh, than what I was. Uh, I had the privilege of doing myself, but that for that we needed to get a few programs to be taught in English um, because it is very challenging to, to study in a, in a foreign language. Um, so I and by the way, how many languages do you speak? I'm assuming seven. French. Seven. Tell us which ones. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> speak German, French, English, uh, Hebrew, uh, some Italian, some Spanish, uh, some Arabic. Um, amazing. So definitely you're the perfect person for the job with all um, the languages that you, um, but you, you were able to complete a master's degree in Hebrew, yeah. although it was not your yeah. native tongue. Amazing. After six months of being in Israel, um, yeah, I, I, I did that. But, um, but what you know makes me even happier is that I was able to make it more accessible for, uh, for people from around the world. And really, I think uh, what I felt very strongly is that um, we're a generation uh, that's privileged to be able to have an impact on, uh, on the state of Israel, which is such a young place that has still so much um, to grow. And, uh, and we, as, uh, as new immigrants, as Olim, have so much to contribute. And uh, really, from the moment I decided to stay here, uh, beyond uh, wanting to find my husband here, which I was very successful at doing, I knew that I wanted to have an impact on Israel in any place I could. And, and I found a place where I had a, an advantage because I had experienced it myself, because I know languages, because I'm interested also in diplomacy and in connections with the world. Um, and then the idea started of, of bringing um, the world to Tel Aviv University. Um, and so you built a family, which is a very big contribution. <laughs> the state of Israel. You built a family here, which is amazing. And now you're cultivating ties between Tel Aviv University and the rest of the world. Um, let's start with the challenges. What are the main challenges that you're facing in your job? Um, I think that like any other non-English speaking country, uh, doing the process of internationalization is a, is a language challenge to start with. 
um, when you think of a place like Australia or the UK, who can simply open up their doors to the world and get uh, people from around the world joining. Uh, Hebrew is a very niche language with almost n nobody speaking it. And, um, and switching to English for the entire system is a challenge. And it's one that we're uh, pushing and, and improving yearly. And yet, um, it's not easy. It's not easy for the administration. And it's not easy for the systems. It's not easy for the professors. There's a lot of adaptation that needs to happen to make us a real international uh, surrounding. Um, so that's one challenge. Yet, I would say, places like Egypt, I know that there are scores of international students studying Arabic in Cairo. And many of them are Jewish students, by the way. And I always ask them, what's wrong with studying Arabic at Tel Aviv University um, or Italy? You know, I'm not so sure that their English proficiency is higher than, than Israel. So there must be another challenge beyond the language. Um, there are challenges of um, uh, the perception uh, from uh, youngsters around the world. Uh, on one hand, of whether this is a place only for Jews, which of course it is absolutely not. And at Tel Aviv University, we uh, thrive for diversity and to get students from around the world with different backgrounds. Um, and the second is an issue of security um, that very often comes from the parents and not only uh, the prospective students themselves. And what's really interesting is that so often, one of the first things we hear from the students once they're here is that they feel safe. It would be one of the first words they would say, whereas before coming, this is definitely one of the, um, the fears um, that make them hesitate to decide to come here. According to your assessment, how many students would you say come to Israel collectively, mm -hmm. to all the universities and the colleges in Israel every year from abroad? About 15,000, give or take, if you count also the, the yeshivot. Um, if only the academic settings, probably about 10,000. That's that's a big increase. That's a big increase from what the numbers that I remember. I remember when we started with the um, uh, looking at the issue of study abroad uh, in North America, I think the number was under 3,000. But that's, that's a big improvement. What do you think is the realistic potential of Israel? So let's say 10,000 is what we're getting now. How many students do you think, again, collectively, not just Tel Aviv U, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all the universities and the colleges combined, what do you think is the capacity? Um, I know that we're, we're looking to double uh, the number of international students. And in a regular year, of course, COVID for the last few years uh, changed the data a lot. Uh, we would have uh, between 2,000 and 2,500 international students here. So we're looking to double this. I know that uh, our colleagues in, uh, in the other universities are, are also looking to grow their um, international uh, student numbers significantly. I would assume that everybody has more or less the same intention of doubling. Now, I'm sure, and of course, knowing you a little bit, your personality is so outgoing and so loving and so welcoming. Um, I'm sure you have great stories to share with us about success stories of how foreign students actually connected with this place. Can you share with us some, some of those stories? Sure. Um, we've really, over the years, and I've, I've been doing this already for quite some years now, um, we've seen situations of students, uh, of course, deciding to stay in Israel, many of them. Um, connecting in unique ways. We've seen them doing volunteering opportunities and connecting with, you know, the earth and doing things um, like the pioneers at the creation of Israel to, to build and to impact. 
we've seen students uh, coming from a very different perspective of approaching coexistence and looking at it from a, a more political side and understanding the complexities of this place and being able to go back home with a much more nuanced and uh, smarter uh, approach to, to Israel and what it is. Um, we've really seen everything, many couples that we were able to see uh, coming together um, here in Israel. Wow, that's that's uh, that's impressive. So people that actually met here, got together and and, and formed a family together. Absolutely. That's that's amazing. Would you say that the geopolitical uh, issue is a magnet or is it a, a, a repellent? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, the first program that uh, I studied and then developed was in conflict resolution and mediation. So I would say that in that field, it's a, it's a magnet. It's uh, one of the only places in the world where you can go to a conflict zone that's so safe, where you can really feel like you're in it. And at the same time, you're not really taking any risks. So there is something extremely unique about um, experiencing uh, the conflict here. Um, and also being able to meet so many stakeholders um, during your time that you're spending here. Israel is so small and interconnected and Tel Aviv University has so many opportunities to bring those people to the table and get them to meet the students that really as a student here, you can be exposed to so much. Uh, on the other hand, it's true that whenever there's a, uh, an issue in terms of uh, the, you know, the situation, the security situation here, it has an impact uh, for us over the next few months, if not years. Um, that's something we have to deal with. Again, very often those who suffer more from that are the parents than the students themselves. Right. Especially when, you know, Tel Aviv is under attack, rockets are falling from the sky and right. parents are freaking out and rightly so. That's, uh, that's as a parent, I know how, how, uh, but listen to that. I've never seen students as excited as those who could enter in the uh, shelters during uh, those attacks and do selfies. You know what a selfie is? No, what is it's a, a selfie? selfie in the shelter. <laughs> so that was one of the words they invented. Uh, they were extremely, extremely, they felt like heroes, you know. They're here, they're in a shelter, and at the same time again, thank God, we, we stay pretty safe even in those moments. So Yes, and I, I would assume that there is a strong interface between for the foreign students between the fact that we are Tel Aviv University and we are in the city of Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. So the interface between the camp, campus life and the city's nightlife probably uh, is a big plus. Um, the nightlife, also the cultural life, uh, the amount of events that happen here, of uh, exhibits, um, it is really a very unique city um, in, in the warmth and what it offers. And definitely one of the draws for students to, to decide to come here. Um, so city. we have, let, we, we must assume that many of the people that are listening to us right now have uh, never been to Israel. And many of them are parents, the students uh, in the United States alone. There are 21 million students. I, I don't know how many students we have in Canada and Europe and so on. But we're talking about many, many people that could consider a study abroad at Tel Aviv U. What would you say to them to ease their concerns to, um, you know, to do your little elevator pitch to bring them to Tel Aviv U? Um. I would say that uh, they'll probably have the time of their lives in a very safe environment with a very experienced team used to uh, dealing with uh, 
any feeling of, uh, of fear they might have while they're here. We've been doing that for over 60 years at this point, welcoming students from around the world to come here. Uh, we have a team here 24-7 available for them for any issue they might have. And, uh, and the day-to-day -day life here is absolutely fabulous. The level of academics is, is very, very high. Uh, our professors are exceptional. The surrounding is fascinating. And you really get to meet the next uh, entrepreneur in the elevator when you walk around Tel Aviv, which is, which is amazing. It's, um, it's, a very, it's a system that's no, that has no hierarchy. So the chances of, uh, of really getting in touch with interesting people here is, uh, is extremely high. Well, this is a wonderful, optimistic, and high note to end our little podcast. Uh, I'd like to uh, tell our listeners that we're going to have your email address provided to them in case they're interested in coming to Tel Aviv University to study or just to experience the campus. Uh, I mean, the, uh, if someone wants just to visit, that's fine. I had uh, students here one from North Carolina and the other one, I think, from Iowa. They came just for a five-day course at the business school. Um, what, what I would love to add is that in addition to welcoming international students here, we also have many opportunities for collaborations and partnerships. We have partnerships with universities around the world. We build customized programs. Uh, we have research op opportunities for PhDs and postdocs uh, in wonderful labs here and many chances uh, for collaboration. So also if someone who's listening uh, to us is uh, from a university somewhere around the world looking to partner with Tel Aviv University as a whole, there are multiple opportunities also for us to... Uh, Absolutely. And I would add to that that uh, Tel Aviv University is the home of the largest international film festival for students that was established back in 1986 when I went to the film school here. Uh, so that uh, kind of revealed how old I am. Uh, but uh, Maureen, it was such a pleasure. I, um, I think that you are doing a wonderful job and you are the epitome, really, of the success of, uh, of Israel and Tel Aviv University in attracting people of high quality and in your case also devotion and passion for what you do. So thank you for everything that you do. And I'm sure that under your guidance, the school will double and triple its size in years to come. And to our listeners back home, thank you for being with us. And until the next episode, goodbye from Tel Aviv. This is Taiwan Bound, the English language podcast of Tel Aviv University. Please welcome your host, Ido Aroni, Tel Aviv University's graduate, member of the Board of Governors, lecturer, writer, and veteran diplomats. <laughs>